Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are the Bride Radio as the voice of the true Bride of Christ. TV radio seeks to inform and engage the bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army and the kingdom. We recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities and the powers of the air. We are a ministry of prayer, and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe. We provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. This is a WATB disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are the Bride Ministries, We Are the Bride Radio, or We Are the Bride Television. Thank you. Welcome, my friends, to the Texas Power Hour with Pastor Carolyn Sism and friends. This radio show is an outreach ministry of Eastgate Ministries in Katy, Texas. Experience the power, experience the glory with Pastor Carolyn Sism. Check out her website at www.eastgateministries.com. Victory, victory shall be mine. Oh, that's it. <laughs> victory, victory shall be mine. 
head going. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. That was good. Mm-hmm.
my brain, it just, the wind of God just took over my whole body from the inside. Mm -hmm. It came in from the outside. And so I must have been carrying that. So Tammy uh, said, God told her, told her to give me this book. The name of it is Winds of God. And it's about the Pentecostal outpouring that happened in, began in 1900 to 1914. And it's written by Howard A. Goss. Uh, he was part of the ministry. Uh, and it was called the Pentecostal Outpouring. And he was saved at the Galena, and it's evidently among Pentecost, uh, revival in 1903. Now keep in mind, as I'm approaching this, I did not come out of Pentecost. I, was, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit during the charismatic renewal when I was 33 years old in the Methodist Church. And it and I it, it came to me just because I was reading the Bible and I read the book of Acts. And I said I'm supposed to have baptism in the Holy Spirit. What am I to do? To read the Bible. And I was sitting there and I thought, well, I'm supposed to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I began to ask people, what is this? How tell me about it? They all looked like they wanted to run, and I didn't know. I just didn't. It was in the Bible. I worried it. Because as I had read the Bible all the way through, and when I came to something that was supposed to be mine, I claimed it. I thought, well, this is supposed to be mine. I'm going to claim it. And so I received the baptism. I didn't even know we were in a charismatic revival. And now I know that the Spirit of God was moving on the earth solemnly was a sovereign move of God yes. on the earth at that time. And the Spirit of God sovereignly pulled us out of Catholic, Pentecost. He pulled us out of Pentecost, okay? He pulled us out of Methodist, Baptist, Episcopalian. He went into every church and he pulled us out. And most of us didn't have a clue what was going on. So, in, but anyway, our our brother Goss was saved in 1903. He was a young man, grew up in um, on his father's farm in uh, I don't forget where it was. I think it was Missouri, and then they moved to Galena, Texas, Kansas, and God put him there to be part of this revival. Young man, about 19 years old. For the 21st century church, these faithful Christians paid the cost of prayer, suffering, beatings, and deprivation. They were willing to go hungry, and they did. They sold everything they had, and they went into the ministry and were, and, and were forth on faith. Uh, to be cold, uncomfortable, insecure, became the butt of jokes and pranks. Some of you have had your Pentecostal faith made fun of. Uh, if the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you and tears you up and, and drags you all over the floor, I mean, somebody's going to poke fun at you, okay? <laughs> they suffered losses. They were deprived of rest of their home and of their loved ones. By faith, they were thrown on a cold and unfriendly world without money, and often without a place to lay their heads. Christians, you are in a cold and unfriendly world right now yeah. concerning your faith. 
and is becoming more and more attacked openly all the time. Thank you, JT. I hope that you get them quieted down. Hey, Janet, come on in here. Uh, um, as I shared earlier, I, I got really upset because a group of, I guess it was juniors and seniors, at least a 15-year-old Catholic boy wearing a MAGA hat was uh, attacked horribly uh, by a protest, Indian protester. And the boy just stood there, 15 years old, and he had the decorum just to stand there and face that guy down. And people said, well, he should just step aside. He's my man. He's got some guts. He made eye contact with that Indian. Mm -hmm. I have nothing against Indians. I had Indian blood running through me. But this wasn't a very nice Indian. So we're at a time when that child, a 50-year-old child, was made uh, out to be the bad guy. Mm -hmm. We're not even protecting our children. I'm not only that. But New York City uh, passed a law to kill babies at full term. Okay, so we are in, Christian, you are in a cold and unfriendly world. And God is calling on you. Eastgate Church, you have so much that you're going to have to be accountable for. You've had prophets come in here that we can't even count the number. You had the Spirit of God manifest in your presence in incredible ways. You heard angels sing. And it's whole hum. Let's just go home and let's see if what they can do next week to entertain me. <laughs> just before the turn of the 20th century, the church world had all been impressed by God of the importance of the approaching new century. Everybody was talking about it. Every home, something was going to happen on January the 31st at midnight, uh, 1899. Oh, yeah. It was in the newspaper. It was everywhere. Uh, it was great anticipation, people everywhere. Because the, and the newspapers were printing it. Now this I studied. What might one expect of a brand new century? What changes might it bring? And this was a momentous evening for the entire Christian world. And in many homes it tells the story that they sat there and the clock struck midnight and nothing happened. And they were waiting that something, the angels were going to show up, Jesus was going to come, something was going to happen. But something did happen. In one of the large rooms of a great house in Topeka, Kansas, known as the Old Stone Mansion, blazing chandeliers lit up by scene of worship, of adoration and of devotion. People knelt or sat quietly about the room. They had been praying for three weeks. Three glorious weeks they had set before the Lord in which heaven seemed to stoop down and touch the earth, in which the Son of God had walked among them and opened to them the scriptures, and the scripture that he opened up to them, and what they're seeking the Lord for was he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. 
Now they didn't know anything about Holy Ghost and power. The only thing that was going on on the earth right then that anyone was aware of that had to do with the power of God was A.B. Simpson was having miracle and divine healings. And this had begun just prior to Charles Parham uh, reading the mansion in Kansas. How was one to know? They didn't know anything about it. They were like me. Okay? Let's take how, how ignorant I was, or naive I was, when I found out about the Holy Ghost, and that was supposed to have them, and they were reading their Bibles in the same way, and they found that they were supposed to have the Holy Ghost. And so they cried out, how is one to know? Was there to be a sign? Could so important a manifestation of the presence of God take place without one scarcely knowing it? These were all the questions they were asking each other. Soon, and this is January 31st, 1899 at 12, at 12 o'clock. January or December? December, thank you, Kirk. December the 31st, 1899, okay. January the 1st, Okay, soon after, soon over the assembled company of about 30 people, there came the passing of the divine breath. A woman began to quiver slightly. Oh, there's Tammy. Is that Tammy? Yes, it is. Okay, she, she gave me the book. I told her about you giving me the book earlier and how God spoke to you. Yes. And told you to give me this book. I'm really enjoying it. I'm preaching on it today. But the Spirit of God began to move on this woman in a quiver. Now, you know today when you start quivering and shaking, and I might. The worship gets up there, you'll start seeing me start quivering and shaking. Henry told me one time I did it all. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'll I'll, I'll get to, my whole body begins to respond to the Spirit of God. But then we're back with this woman. She began to quiver slightly, like the rhythmic quivering of a leaf rippled by the wind. Beautifully, forcefully, distinctly, there tripped from her lips ecstatic utterances, which soon became a language. Unintelligible to the kneeling company, but without a doubt, a language. They were not in doubt that it was not a language. Acts 2 and 4. Could it be possible that God would do it again? Now I'm speaking to a group of people that as far as I know, every single one of you speak in tongues. Every single one of you have had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Every single one of you moved against the Spirit. Every single one of you have received from the mouth of God, a prophecy how God is personally interacting in your life personally. But these people didn't know what you know. They didn't. They were like me when I was 33 years old. They didn't know anything. I knew I was saved. That's about all I knew. When I started reading the Bible, I wasn't even sure of that. The other people 
rose up to investigate the phenomenon even further. You know they're going to investigate. And they beheld a blue flame, like fire, playing above her head as she gladly and joyfully yielded herself completely, completely to the Holy Spirit of God. All of her, she yielded, let, let the Holy Spirit take her over. You see, you got to get you rid of your mind. You got to get rid of your uh, your emotion. You got to get rid of your ego. You have to get rid of your vanity. You have to be willing to let the Holy Ghost make a fool out of you if He wants to. I the blue flame reminded me of what we read in Kat Kerr's second book on revealing heaven about the blue flame. There are angels that have facets in their faces and have blue fire coming from their heads. Mm. They minister before God with holes of fire before the throne of God. And these angels come out from around these coals of fire. These are able to compress themselves as thin as a sheet of paper and pass over a congregation to release fire from heaven. If you're ever in a service and one comes, you will be eternally changed by the passion he releases. So, baptism of fire, and there was a blue flame. They, were, they saw it. They were witnesses. They saw the blue flame. They didn't just see it in the spirit realm. I don't know if they were the spirit of what, but they saw a blue flame. Yeah. And the Lord released an angel from the coals of fire before his throne through the Holy Spirit to release the baptism of fire. Now they didn't know back then about the baptism of fire like you and I know. I know about the baptism of fire because I walked through it. When I got on the other side of it, then I was carrying the fire. When you go through the baptism of fire, when you get through it to the other side, you will be carriers. Of the fire God. Truly, God had done something. Although the many little groups of watchers scattered over the country did not see it. These were watching. They knew that God was going to do something. But they didn't know what. When Jesus was born, it just shepherds knew about it. The wise men knew about it. Uh, those who were seeking God knew about it, but the rest of the world didn't know about it. God had ordained that as the first decade slowly passed, the whole world would hear what he had done on that New Year's Day at the turn of the 20th century. In October of 1900, say, this, this happened in January, <coughs> Charles F. Parham rented the Old Stone Mansion to set up a school known as the College of Bethel. There were 40 people who were older, returned missionaries, and a few elderly saints among the 40. No young people. A this, this was a company who God stirred alike by the signs of the times and by what was going on in their midst. 
Remember this, the message I gave you in December about you have to watch for the signs of the times? Yes. You have to watch for the spiritual signs of the times. And as you begin to watch for the signs of the times, the Spirit of God will stir you as to what he's doing on the earth today, what he desires to do on the earth at this time in your life in the kingdom of God on earth. So they were stirred. And unknowingly had been chosen by the Lord for this very purpose. Reverend Parm had been stirred over the doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. See, when I read the book of Acts, I was stirred. The Lord stirred me, or I would never have pursued it. I would never have walked up to this Methodist preacher and said, what is the Holy Ghost? <laughs> Who is this Holy Ghost? I, I, I'm supposed to have that, and I don't have it. He went, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then God gave me another pastor, came after a short time, Brother Baker. And I asked him, and I didn't know anything about tongues, Jenny. I just want the Holy Ghost. I mean, I read about the tongue, and I asked him, I said, Brother Baker, what is this Holy Ghost? Tell me what it is. He said, well, I've been speaking in tongues since I was a baby. He said, I would pray by my grandmother beside our bed and we would speak in tongues together. <laughs> Glory to God. See, I was seeking and God sent. He even changed my pastor. That was nothing in the Methodist church. <laughs> that was nothing in the Methodist church. Every three, four years, they changed their pastors because the people got worn out with the same old preacher. <laughs> so, like, y'all got, y'all get tired of me, y'all gotta leave. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. <laughs> or if you outgrow me, you know. But not the Methodist church. Oh, no, they send you a new preacher.
with all the glorious things he does in our midst. All the wonderful things that you and I experience in the Holy Ghost. There's more power that the Lord wants to release to the church. It was to this search of scripture that the College of Bethel dedicated itself. Now, mind you, this is a small group, not like young people going to Bible college. These are people pressing in and seeking God Amen. for the power that's supposed to be released, as the Bible said, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Momentous events started taking place. Well, we are being fought today, aren't we? Yeah. And God's Spirit was hovering over them in preparation for a divine manifestation of His presence. The little group of called out ones decided they themselves must have the true baptism of the Holy Ghost. One night, a congregation of about 75 saints met for the evening service. It's Agnes M. Osmond, a returned missionary, brave woman, she would be to be a missionary. you got to be a brave woman to be a missionary, right, Cheryl McElroy? Requested them to lay hands upon her as an act of dedication and pray for her to receive the Pentecostal fullness promised to all believers. After just a few sentences of prayer, she quietly began speaking in Chinese. Been, if y'all noticed lately, another tone has come on me. I can't tell you what kind of ease it is. But, but it is an oriental tongue. Um, so I was very interested in the speaking in Chinese that she does. I was at Phyllis's prayer group, I don't know, when a couple weeks ago maybe, and we began praying in tongues, and here comes that Chinese or whatever tongue I'm speaking in. And yeah, I think everybody just kind of went. <laughs> I didn't do it for that, that's just what came. Okay, she could only speak Chinese for three weeks. She couldn't speak English. She could not write in English. She could only write in Chinese. Copies of this writing was actually published in daily newspapers. And it was confirmed to be Chinese. Those who watched said, when the glory of God fell, it lay like a halo of light about her face and head. For three more days, the college sat in God's presence and waited upon the Lord. I will mention it's not in my notes, but Brother Goss, uh, he didn't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when he was first saved. But he did later on at another revival. And he said, um, he began to speak, I think it's Armenian. I think it was decided to speak it in Armenian. Said he spoke in it for weeks. And he was preaching then, he was preaching. He couldn't preach in English. He couldn't write in English. And this went on for weeks. And then God finally restored his English back to him. And then he said he couldn't speak in tongues again. But then finally, at another meeting, someone laid hands on him, and, 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 and um, he was probably complaining, you know. <laughs> so, you know, like, if you complain to God, you know, be careful. Especially if he's moving on your life, 
okay, this group waited on God and to see 75 and lost in wonder and love and praise. And on the night of January the 3rd, 1901, simultaneously during a public service, 12 ordained ministers of various faiths also received the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. You see how rare it was? Even then, it was just very rare thing for people to receive it. And that holy brightness about any natural light filled the room. Tongues of fire set upon their heads. The minister sang in unison, Jesus, lover of my soul. Mm -hmm. In at least six different languages. The listeners heard the sound of angelic voices. When I was preparing this, there's some chapters that are that are given to divine healing. And I thought, well, I'm going to teach them divine healing because next week is February the third. Okay, not next week, but the week after is when the Scots are coming in with their healing crusade. So I still have another week to preach on divine healing. It came in supernaturally during this time on the earth. But day after day, student after student was caught up into the glory <coughs> and scripturally sealed with the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues. In the fall of 1903, Parham conducted what is now known as the Great Galilean Revival in Kansas. Uh, that was where Brother Goss was saved. And in the summer of 1905, Reverend Parham took a band of 24 workers to Houston, Texas to open work. And this is where I'm going, Houston. You have a heritage on you. That is so incredible of the deposits these people made in Houston, Texas, sacrificially. And they brought the Pentecost to Houston, Texas. Howard Goss joined this group with 22 others after receiving the call at a camp meeting in Columbus, Kansas. I think that's where he received his tongues. They preached their first service. They had their, they were a train, I guess. They had a layover in Alvin, Texas. <laughs> Y'all know about this story? Y'all know this story? And uh, I'm sure you Texans do. Okay, so they had a few hours layover. So they got out at the radio, at the railroad station, and they get out and they start preaching and have a revival in Alvin, Texas. And it stuck, and it stayed, and that became a place where they, they opened a church, and it was a place of a Pentecostal revival. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't look up out in Texas. How far is it? Who goes? It's north. It's Pasadena, out that way. Out by Pasadena. Okay, they stopped there before they got to Houston at Alvin, Texas. And from there, they went to a revival in Orchard, Texas. For a big ranch owner, and uh, that's Somerville, Houston, too, uh, Brother Eiler uh, back to work in, or in Orchard. Their second meeting, sounds to me like it was the third, but he called it the second, <laughs> took place in Houston, Texas at Bryan Hall. How many of you remember Bryan Hall? No? There were remarkable healings. 
One was a lawyer's wife, a Miss Delaney. She had had an accident and was hurt really bad and it was supposed to be permanent and God supernaturally healed her. So you're dealing with a prominent, wealthy woman and God healed her. And of course it was all over the newspapers in Houston. Another revival was convened in Caledonia Hall. My, my daddy used to call me Caledonia sometimes. And I, <laughs> Carolyn, I don't know, he'd just say Caledonia, you know. And uh, I didn't know there was a Caledonia Hall. Do y'all know anything about the Caledonia Hall? On Texas Avenue near Main Street in Houston. You know where that, you know where the Main Street in Houston is? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now see, I'm having a, of course it goes into a lot deeper than I'm able to do in a 45 minute sermon. Um, you know, um, uh, what happened in Houston, Texas. But it's, it's an awesome story. An African American woman named Lucy Farrow, uh, who was a cook at the school, had a burden for Los Angeles. And she was, she was a prayer warrior. She prayed and prayed. Now, I heard this story when I came to Houston, when I opened up a little white church. Uh, that Brother Seymour had come to Brookshire or Katy, and that he had got thrown out of Brookshire, and then he went to Los Angeles. That's the story I heard. Brother Goss tells us a little different side of this story. He, tell, he tells us of this woman prayer warrior, Lucy Farrell. So when she had this burden, and I guess the Spirit of God must have been on her mightily, the ministry paid her expenses to go to L.A. She started a prayer meeting. A Baptist preacher from Houston was selected to go to L.A. to help her. His name, William Seymour. The Los Angeles outpouring of April 1906 was already underway. Brother Seymour became a prominent leader in the Azusa Street Revival. That is Brother Goss's description of how that came about. And the story for the next decade continues of a mighty outpouring, healings, miracles, and wondrous works of God, churches being started and established for the power of the Holy Ghost was moving mightily. Tongues and gift of tongues in many languages, languages were confirmed. They identified tongues as when you receive the gift of tongues and you speak in tongues. But they defined the gift of tongues when you are able to speak to another person in their native language and they speak back to you and both of you are able to converse and uh, you may not know what they're saying, but he knows what you're saying. Yeah. They had this happen over and over and over again. There was one particular lady, I didn't write down her name, that God used mightily in this gift. We're losing some things that God gave to us. And we're losing it because we're going ho-hum. Uh, and because people are trying to take it over to, for their own vanity. Yeah. To, to 
magnify themselves, to use the gifts to, for a better, as a word, to strut around with. Um, several deeply consecrated faithful saints consecrating heaven propelled prayers on one lo locality brought results. I thought about Jenny being sent to Washington, D.C. and what we watched her go through. And how despite being cold, uh, I don't think she's gone hungry because somebody's paid her meals and she had a place to stay. But she didn't know that when she left. Right. And how God has taken care of her. Uh, it's been months now, what's it, September? Yeah. Where she sold her home now and she's got an apartment. But Satan tried to get to her this past week. She called me. Da 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 da. I said da 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 da. Satan's after you. He's trying to shut down your ministry, lose respect, and you'll lose your your support right. if you go this direction. So I called her. Got strong on me to tell her more clearly. The Lord gave her a dream the night before. Don't go that way. Then, but see, I didn't know she had the dream. First, God gave her the dream, then He had me give her the direction. So, God's got his hand on her. When, when God's got his hand on you, when God's giving you the assignment, Satan's going to do everything he can to pull you off that assignment. Every trick he's got. When I first met Johnny Baum, which would be 40 years ago, I guess, I was still this woman floating around, didn't know what you're doing. Middle of a breakdown, actually. Probably about 40 years old at the time. Well, he gave me this fantastic word, you know. What I'm going to be doing what I'm doing today. And he said, Satan has tried and tried and tried, and he could not do it. Right. Okay, he hasn't ever stopped trying. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I just keep going, I keep my eyes on Jesus. No matter what comes at me, from whatever kind of direction, any, any, anything, any garbage that comes at me, that is, that I know it's not of God, but it's a distraction, and God's not in it, I keep my focus on Jesus, and that's what I did when Johnny Warren gave me that word, and if you keep your focus on Jesus, no matter how hard Satan tries to pull you off your course, he will not be able to do it. Amen. Amen. I, 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 want, I, want, I want to give you a round of applause. That's the real word. That's the real word. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. Um, okay. Rare, he says, rarely could one evangelist go into a new field alone and turn the community upside down for God. It took the prayers and dedication of a team of what they called the band. They went in, they supported, they helped, they undergirded each other. We could call Escape Ministries a band. Mm -hmm. A band. Very much like uh, God used. God has helped us together in some sort of miraculous 
Wow. Okay, now we're getting into it here. Help me, Jesus. Hold on with me, church. Consistently, there had to be unity, he said. This is what he wrote. Anyone who could not keep the unity of the Spirit with every other member of his band was either given a railroad ticket and sent home or perhaps given another chance at a different band. But no disunity could be allowed. Mm. Unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. The unity that flows down from the head as oil to the very skirts. Mm. The power of God would not fall upon such a condition. We need God in this nation right now. Mm. We need God to move for our nation. And the church cannot be in disunity over foolish stuff. That's right. We often saw it happen that when there was disagreement, no one could be prayed through at the service. Meetings would be locked tight. Finances would fail, and the heavens turned to brass. Husbands and wives sometimes failed through lack of harmony, accord, or unity with each other. Prayers would go unanswered until they acquired unity. Do you need God to move in your family? Do you need God to move in your finances? Do you need God to move in your ministry? Make sure, husband and wife, that you are in unity. Amen. Once all was clear, the heavens would open again. The power of God would fall upon the seekers once more and all would be well. It can be said the movement was born, grew, and flourished on the Bible formula, obedience, faith, fasting, and prevailing prayer. If you come to my house tonight at 6 o'clock, come fasting. I'm going to start fasting at least on Friday night because God is moving in an awesome way as we are seeking him to come into uh, agreement with what he is releasing from heaven through his angels on the earth. To come into agreement with God. On one occasion, instead of the usual liberty, everything was bound. For three days, no new converts came forward. No one prayed through. Liberty was gone. Everything was at a standstill. If you are in a standstill in your life, unity and being out of unity and being outside of the fellowship of the body of Christ can cause you to go into a standstill. Amen. The leader and his wife examined their own hearts as far as they knew, there was nothing wrong anywhere. The workers with them seemed to know of nothing. They knew the Lord was displeased, but where to find the trouble? They had to start fasting and praying to discover the hindrance. On the third night, as they neared home, the leader glimpsed two of the young workers, a girl and a boy, who had come home ahead of them, standing and talking under a light in the, black hall, in the back hall. 
If they came home ahead of the group, separating themselves out of the group, they knew that they were sticking around seeing each other. Okay. <clears throat> with the glimpse, we say this is cute. Well, wasn't cute, but gone. With the glimpse came the knowledge of what was wrong. He went and asked him if they were sweet on each other. <clears throat> he said that was the current expression then. Excuse me, I'll get a drink of water. Sweet on each other, okay? Sweethearts. Um, a harmless little flirtation, we would call it today. But it successfully cut off God's power because they had not only broken their agreement, but they were putting self first over the ministry. Each worker who went out had to agree to no courting on the field. When I go into some large ministries, thank you, Alan. When I go into some large ministries today, there's so much lust. And it is so thick and hundreds of people, you can hardly cut it with Harmless little flirtation. When anyone broke this agreement, they were automatically removed. God is a God of principle and honor. They had voluntarily given their word. God had a right to expect them to live up to it because he was releasing his spirit on the earth in a mighty move of God that was going to affect you in the 21st century being able to speak in tongues and move in the gift of the Spirit. And he could not have someone in disobedience stopping the flow. Do you see how important it is to obey God? Because you may be in the middle of something that God is doing so great, just like those saints were in the middle of it. And they didn't even know what they were doing, but they obeyed God. And God moved in a mighty way that you and I are still the recipients of it today. And that God sent me to Houston, Texas, I count it all joy. Because see, I'm receiving by living here the blessing that these saints deposited in Houston, Texas. The wealth of your city. I said the wealth of Houston, Texas. You need a job, come to Houston, Texas. You, wouldn't, you won't go hungry here if you want to work. Do you think that it could be that the holy walk of these saints, the separation that they did, the lives that they lived, the time they spent in prayer and fasting, that you're rich today because of their sacrifice? Yes. Okay. After both young couples had sought God's forgiveness, the boy was sent back to headquarters the next day. And that night, God's power came down, down again as before. The godly love of people whom God had joined together in the spirit of marriage did not hinder a needy at all. 
In revival, it could be told which relationships had God's approval and which was only a flirtation by whether God honored it or not by letting his power fall as usual. Amen. There is a way that we handle ourselves in the body of Christ. Yeah. To become a shirker, a deserter, or to be indolent was they were excommunicated. Now we're not that hard today. We came up under some grace movement somewhere. <laughs> no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I there there was times in the early days where I think, I, I, I think I'll just go back to being a wife. I got to sit at home being a kept woman. Sons would say, Carolyn, once you put your, put your shoulder to the plow, you can't go back. Oh, praise God. Oh, y'all, I count it all joy. I've never not put my shoulder to the plow. Now, my plow may not be like someone else's. Mm -hmm. But my plow plows up fellow ground. Mm -hmm. Anyone who deserted his post for any reason other than complete physical inability to carry on was disgraced and almost never found his place again in God's work. Now that doesn't mean they weren't saved. They went to heaven. It means they missed their calling. Mm. If they attempted to come back, evidently something fundamental in themselves seemed to prevent them from succeeding permanently. And what I'm telling you here is just what this man wrote, and he was part of that revival. Many easily discouraged people felt the call of God, and over the years, have gone into the work. But when the going got rough, or became monotonous, or they became bored or felt it looked like they were doing the same thing over and over, they found excuses for themselves and returned home never to attempt the work again. Some lost touch with God entirely. I can give you names. And were thought of as failures for both time and eternity. Maybe they went to heaven, but they're not going to have their reward. Hold with me here. I'll try to finish this up shortly. If you need to go, just go. <laughs> the joy of enduring for Jesus' sake, a little of what he endured for us, and a triumphing everywhere. So that Christ became the odor of a sweet smell was so great, so satisfying, that nothing else could take his place. It's there's nothing in this world that the world has that I would trade my relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. There's not enough money. There's not enough anything. Truly, he says, he made our life a constant pageant of triumph in Christ 
diffusing the perfume of his knowledge everywhere by us and liberating despairing souls from Satan's bondage. How I thank God for the small part I was allowed to play in this grace, last day move of God, and that's Brother Goss talking, and for all the great souls, both men and women, who played their part nobly and well, and who gladly and happily bore the brunt of fighting the good fight of faith. No complaining, no murmuring, no carrying on. Just get up every day and praise God. Since all sins like disobediences, procrastinations were gone, there was no friction within our beings. So we could see clearly, judge wisely, plan capably, and execute efficiently. efficiently. If there is friction in your soul, friend, if there is friction in your soul, there is rebellion, disobedience, and procrastination. Of course, we didn't realize this then. But looking back and also judging by results, it seems so. We could follow the Lord's lead without hindrance. Be that as it may, when fused into a hole, each one of us slipped into and held the position where he was needed most. Needed most. Without jealousy, rivalry, envy, selfish ambition, and without any other of the works of the flesh, which never failed to hinder success. No wonder the devil hated them. For in God's hands, they were invincible and wrought great destruction in Satan's ranks. Oh, we need some warriors today. We need some warriors to go in and bring destruction in Satan's ranks over our nation. Okay, church, you're not going in there and fight that devil with sin in your life. He's just And, of course, you know I preach to the people out there on the Internet. I'm not preaching to this congregation. Y'all get this, right? We These bands were conducted in the strictest possible manner. If there was a married couple in the band or an elderly woman, they usually acted as chaperones, becoming responsible to God and to the state overseer for the conduct of us all. Well, a pastor does. A pastor is responsible to God for your spiritual growth and well-being. Yes, that's the word. Amen. If you're falling away, if you're going off course, if you're going in the wrong direction, I may be on my knees praying for you that you get back where God wants you. Amen. I used to get where God wants you. Whatever that looks like. The Bible says that. That the pastor is responsible for yourself. Yes, yeah. Your soul gets messed up. I may be praying for you. 
holiness and purity of principle and motive demanded each of us, demanded of each of us was so great, comparatively speaking, that many onlookers believed we were either insane over religion or drunk on some glorious dream. Don't bring me back. I'm not coming back. I've been accused of all the above. I'm gone and I'm not coming back. Requests for everything, our health, our clothing, and our food, meal by meal, were routed through heaven back to us. All of us kept well. A place to live, a place to preach, transportation problems, words with which to grip and move an audience toward God. All these things had the same routing through heaven and the same fulfillment. Perhaps the Lord will again grace our nation with a mighty wind and fire. For today we need the soul of our nation redeemed. From the dark hand of the spirit of Antichrist, abortion, murder of babies, uh, we would go, the nation would go crazy if we killed a baby animal. Socialism, judicial tyranny, Sexual perversion, degradation of womanhood. God put righteousness on you women. If you do not hold yourself righteous before men, there will be no honor in this nation. God put it on you. Sex trafficking, drugs. Alcohol abuse. And as I spoke recently on unclean spirits, it's all across our land. When we yield ourselves fully to God's residence here on earth, the Holy Ghost takes up his abode in each one of us. He raises the miracle standard of the kingdom of God, to which we are now a citizen, and stand fully ready by day or by night to further God's plans in this earth inside of us. He stands ready. He raises the banner. He raises the flag. Because our kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is heaven. It's been committed to only us creatures of both time and eternity to bring this about. I posted this week, church, it's on you what's happening in our the president can't do it. It's on the church to pray for what's happening in our government. God has entrusted it to us. Let no man fall short of his privilege to glorify God for what we've been chosen to do. The church of the 21st century and the church of the latter of the 20th century, of which I came into when I was 33 years old. Well, I was saved when I was nine. I was truly saved. I was saved. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at 33. And so that those latter years of the 20th century, as we're going in the 21st century, we're accountable. We are accountable for the Spirit of God moving on the earth and us praying that heaven will come to earth and that we will cooperate with what God is doing in heaven. Thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are not to come into agreement with the systems of the world. Amen. We are not to come into agreement with the Satan because everybody else does it. Because it's the socially acceptable thing to do. Amen. God has raised a standard. It's the Holy Ghost. Uh, and he's standing up. Uh, the Holy Ghost is standing up. Uh, the Holy Ghost is standing up in you. Uh, he's standing up with a banner. And he's saying, come on, church. Amen. Amen. <laughs> there was much debate and confusion. Still is. During this revival, and I won't call it confusion because they figured all this out, as to the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Y'all heard it all. Brother Parham's group adopted the belief, or let's say Brother Galt's. He didn't say Brother Parham. He said him. Oh, and now I have to go back. Brother Parham's group adopted the belief that the evidence is speaking in tongues. This is still preached in most Pentecostal churches today, I believe. Okay. <coughs> I have no problem with it. I, it came to be easy. Pretty easy. I mean, I had to press in God and be broken and left to die and carnal soul kicked out of me. And I didn't go through what these folks went through. <coughs> Compared to what they went through to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it came to be easy. I don't have any, it's not an issue for me. Okay, I have baptism of the Holy Spirit and I'm speaking tongues. Duh. Why am I going to fight with anybody over that? <laughs> Why would I want to fight with anybody about what it means? Our writer wrote this. The gift of love, the gift of love, it seems to me, is the most necessary accompaniment which the Spirit freely confers. The power to love God supremely, unselfishly, wholly to lay down our lives day after day for others, as Jesus did, was graciously granted to us, along with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Love being both a gift from God and a fruit of the Spirit as well. And Tuesday morning Bible study, I was preaching on Second John. <coughs> We're talking about love, and um, I said that the hope that God's that God's love is a gift of love. But He's calling it the gift of love. Second John three, the Scripture. God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, will release to us overflowing grace, mercy, and peace filled with true love. John says keeping the commandments in the New Testament is proof of genuine love of God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit came easy to me, as I mentioned just to speak in tongues, and the best, when I got the spirit of tongues, I got prophecy already, didn't know what to do that either. 
because I began to have a gift of prophecy. And I had discerning spirits since I had before I had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I always had discerning spirits. And um, so I'm beginning to get God's telling me stuff, and I know things are going to happen. And I, before I get there, I know it's going to happen, just like y'all. But it wasn't until much later that I connected with the prophetic ministry that actually prophesied. Johnny Barnard being the first man who ever prophesied to me. And I connected because this was my connection. I knew. I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I knew that, that I had to make that connection. Through visitation of the wind of God, the Holy Spirit, as I mentioned earlier, permeated every cell and muscle in my body. I heard the wind. I heard the wind go through the grass, and I heard the birds and the flowers and the trees, and they all sing, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then the wind went in me. And that song of Jesus, 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 that the wind was singing with all creation, the grass was singing it, and the leaves were singing it. The birds were singing it. And I heard it. And then the wind that said, Jesus, 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 went into me. It permeated my whole body.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.